Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm once again flying solo for this episode because it's kind of an addendum podcast from the episode we recorded a few days ago when Patrick and I discussed the hiring of Ron Rivera as the new head coach of the Washington Redskins. Now, in said podcast, we spent a few minutes talking about Steve Wilkes becoming the defensive coordinator of the Redskins as the reports started to emerge of Rivera's hiring and people starting to connect the dots that Wilkes was going to be the guy that he was going to be bringing along with him to D.C. But things have obviously changed since then. In fact, as of today, which is January 1st, it is in fact Jack Del Rio who is officially going to be the defensive coordinator in Washington, having been targeted and handpicked by Ron Rivera himself. So. Del Rio obviously succeeds the embattled Greg Minuski as the defensive coordinator, and the latter ran, and I use the term ran very, very loosely, the Redskins defense for the past three years, and outside of Bruce Allen himself, Minuski might have become the second most notorious persona non grata in D.C., again behind the feculent bag of rhinoceros excrement that was Allen himself. But... After a passable first season as defensive coordinator in 2017, it seemed like Minuski increasingly forgot how to coach a defense or create a defensive game plan. Although that would really imply that he was any good at it in the first place, which is an entirely separate conversation. But the Redskins defense began to look more and more clueless, especially from the second half of 2018 throughout the vast majority of this year, being the 2019 season. In fact, it basically got to the point where a the moldy carton of strawberries that I left in my refrigerator when, I'm, when I went on vacation for 10 days over this holiday break, and I came back to it, and it was basically like this Petri dish of mold and all sorts of stuff. You could have taken that carton of fruit and put it on a chair at Redskins Park, and it would have done a better job devising a game plan and probably coaching the defense than Greg Minuski did at any point in the 2019 season. So let's just leave it there. But... Mercifully, we rid ourselves of Minuski, so I want to take a closer look at uh, the resume and the background of Del Rio and kind of what that means over here in D.C. So as far as Del Rio in his last NFL stop, which comprised three seasons as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, he went 25-23. and 23. Now that includes the 12-4 and 4 season that he had in 2016, which tied for the Raiders' best record over the past 26 years. He was fired after the Raiders failed to meet their sky-high expectations in 2017 when they finished with a 6-10 record. But to put that 6-10 record into perspective, John Gruden came along in the following offseason, and after trading away two of Oakland's best players in Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, he went 4-12, he meaning Gruden, with a largely similar cast. Um, so one stop before that, uh, Oakland, before he was in Oakland, uh, Del Rio was the defensive coordinator of the, def of the Denver Broncos in 2012 through 2014. And in those three years, Del Rio's defenses were ranked 4th, 15th, and 5th overall in terms of defense-adjusted value over average, or DVOA, which is the rough equivalent of value over replacement player, or VORP, that they use in baseball. Um, in each of those three seasons, they were ranked in the top 10, they meaning the Broncos, in the run, against the run using the same metric, and they were actually ranked in the top five against the pass in two of those three seasons that he was there. So when Del Rio was in Oakland, the numbers weren't nearly as sterling, although it's pretty safe to say he didn't have nearly the same level of talent that he did in Denver. But with Ken Norton Jr. and John Bacano running the defenses in Oakland alongside Del Rio, the Raiders were 15th, 22nd, and 29th in overall defensive DVOA. So sure, there's absolutely reason for optimism around Del Rio's arrival over here, but it's safe to say that even he's not going to be able to make the proverbial chicken dinner out of chicken shit. 
So let's kind of dumble, dive into that component a little bit more. Um, but before we do, there's one interesting wrinkle that I kind of wanted to talk about and leave you with a little bit of a teaser based off some of the stuff that Patrick and I have uh, mentioned over the last few podcasts. Um, Del Rio's defenses, whether they were in Oakland um, or whether they were in Denver, were anchored by a front seven that kind of had this all-world superstar pass rusher helped by something of a tag team partner or a sidekick of sorts. Kind of like a Superman-Batman pairing, if you will. Sidekick might not be the appropriate term, but like a 1A and 1B, think of it that way. So when he was with the Broncos, Del Rio had guys like Elvis Dumerville, who was great, and Demarcus Lawrence, Redskins fans should be very familiar with him, flanking Von Miller. And in Oakland, after one season where Mac had to basically do everything himself, Del Rio, Del Rio brought in Bruce Irvin to help bolster the pass rush alongside Khalil Mack. Um, in Washington, between Ryan Kerrigan, who is a free agent and might actually be starting to show signs of decline, and Montez Sweat, who admittedly the jury is still kind of out on, the Redskins probably have their 1B or Batman pass rusher, if you will. But that leaves the door open for acquiring, or should I say drafting, a 1A or Superman stud pass rusher. And I'll just leave you with the teaser right there, and we'll revisit that a little bit later. And in fact, right now we're going to segue to the defensive scheme that we're likely going to see under Rivera and Jack Del Rio and kind of bring it all home as part of that. So by now, most of you are aware, if you follow the Redskins, that ESPN's John Kime, the Athletics' Grant Paulson, among several others, have been saying that the Redskins are going to move to a 4-3 defensive scheme. It's a schematic change that's been mandated basically all the way from, from the top from Dan Snyder himself. And owner meddling notwithstanding, as my buddy Patrick and I have said in multiple podcasts, including our most recent one, if I'm not mistaken, a change to 4-3 defense is more than welcome. It is, it is about damn time, to be completely honest with you. And you can come up with plenty of reasons why the current defensive personnel might actually be better suited for the 4-3 defensive scheme. Let's start with Kerrigan and Sweat right off the bat, who would be so much better as 4-3 defensive ends. And while we would only have two defensive tackles by the nature of the scheme on the field, making one of Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne or Matt Ioannidis taking them off the field effectively for periods of time, this is actually a good thing in the sense that we have worn those guys down so much over the past few seasons that being able to bring them into a rotation is going to reduce the amount of wear and tear that A, we've put on them over previous seasons, and B, they'll endure in subsequent seasons. You're going to have some of our best players being more fresh down the stretch of the season, which, as any Redskins fan should know, has been a major problem since we've been here. At linebacker, things get a little more interesting. I've been saying since day one that Ryan Anderson has always been better to play the pure Sam or strong side linebacker in a 4-3 scheme, and I think being able to move him in that position is really going to help unlock even more of the skills that he has as an overall football player. He's always been something of a square peg in a round hole in a 3-4 defense. Now, there wouldn't be a ton of depth behind him, but I do think that Nate Orchard, who made a bunch of plays as a free agent signee over the second half of the offseason, would and should get a good look by the current coaching regime, given everything that he put on film again through the second half of this past season. On the flip side, on the will or the weak side linebacker, you're probably looking at Sean Dion Hamilton or Cole Holcomb, considering they're both slightly undersized, but represent probably the best athletes we have at the linebacker spot. Behind them, you've probably got Josh Harvey Clemens, but that's probably what we're looking at from the Will linebacker spot. But it's the middle of the Mike linebacker where things get a little more interesting. Now, I think in a perfect world, that's where Ruben Foster lines up. But given how long it's been since he's been on the field and the fact that he's coming off a torn ACL, 
having him or penciling him, him into that spot is far from a given. So if it's not him, then you have to wonder if the coaching staff tries Sean Dion Hamilton there. Do they try to bring back John Bostic? Um, it's probably very likely that they'll at least, if nothing else, look for depth, if not frankly speaking, in an overall upgrade at this spot in either free agency or the draft, if not both, frankly. The secondary, I'm not going to delve too much into them because I think they're largely going to be the same. You've got Dunbar and Moreau as the presumed starters. You've got the hodgepodge of guys behind them. Landon Collins at the strong safety spot. And actually, as a quick aside, if you get a chance, go check out Mark Bullock's breakdown on The Athletic of how Del Rio uses his strong safety in his previous defensive stops or schemes in his previous stops. Um, it's great stuff, but that's par for the course from anything that Mark Bullock provides. Um, and then getting back to the free safety spot, it's going to be another big old gap considering the team is almost certainly going to part ways with Monte Nicholson in the offseason, leaving us with either DeShazer Everett or Troy Apke as the current penciled in starters, very likely to be subject to change. But all of that being said, let's quickly circle back to the defensive line. Um, the strength remains a defensive tackle spot, as I alluded to earlier, with Allen, Payne, and Ioannidis. You've got Tim Settle, who brings a ton of depth as well there. So while you have that, the argument can be made that we don't have nearly the same level of depth at the defensive end spot. In fact, if you look at it, besides Kerrigan and Sweat, we actually have a whole lot of nobody. So that's why, based on what I was saying about Del Rio's personnel and the way he uses his pass rushers, or the way he's had his pass rushers set up, plus the glaring lack of depth that I'm alluding to right now, I believe the Redskins would be even more inclined to use the second overall pick on edge rusher Chase Young from Ohio State, Barring, of course, one, the Bengals presumably going quarterback at number one overall, I would be astonished, barring anything unforeseen uh, between now and mid-April, if that pick is not Joe Burrow from LSU, and then number two, Young actually declaring for the draft, and I don't pay a single bit of attention to that statement he made about a week ago or so of him coming back to Ohio State. There is literally no upside for him to return back to school when he is going to be a slam dunk, home run, whatever sports euphemism you want to use, pick in the top three of this upcoming draft, again, barring anything unforeseen. So let's just say in a perfectly glorious world that the Redskins take Young at number two. I think the interesting part of that would be that with Kerrigan, assuming he's re-signed, and Sweat already in the fold, the Redskins could work in Young as a rotational guy, especially in obvious passing situations. In fact, think of the quote-unquote NASCAR-style fronts that the Redskins could use in passing situations with Young, Kerrigan, and Sweat all on the field in obvious passing downs, and maybe like Allen or Ioannidis as the fourth guy, and that's not even potentially factoring in the Redskins could again add another pass rusher be it later in the draft be it their free agency but you now have a much more fearsome pass rush than basically anything we've had over the last several years in Minuski or Joe Barry or Jim Hazlitt or any of the ass clowns we had that I'm not going to dive into right now so the bottom line in all of this is that I know there was plenty of reasons for optimism entering the 2019 season when it came to the defense, but we all knew that there were holes. We, we talked about this in our season preview podcast, and anybody who's a realistic Redskins fan knew that there was reasons for optimism in the defense, but there were also red flags, so to speak. And while this one move isn't going to fix all the depth issues that I kind of alluded to, it is a step in the right direction. 
for one, unlike his predecessor, Ron Rivera wasn't looking to fill the role with some beta male coach who would not pose a threat to his own job status, kind of like what Jay Gruden was doing. Uh, for once, we got the guy that we actually targeted and want to put in there as well. It wasn't settling for Joe Barry when we tried for Vic Fangio. It wasn't settling for Minuski when we really wanted Gus Bradley. And to the earlier point about beta males, it wasn't worrying about Wade Phillips taking the job or wasn't worried about Mike Pettin taking his job. So we quickly kind of disqualified them. We got a guy, there's a grown-up who'll be running the defense who has a proven track record, at least in large part. And in a season where the Redskins are coming off a year where they only won three games, um, this hiring, in addition to the glorious firing of Bruce Allen, counts as one of those wins, or this hire counts as one of those wins that might not show up in the standings, but finally moves this franchise in the right direction when everything seems so lost for the majority of 2019, even if it is a small step in said direction. So I'm going to kind of leave things there. Um, we'll perhaps leave some talking points for future episodes. So with that having been said, in the meantime, as I always implore you, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on YouTube where this video is going to be located. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you follow us on Twitter at hail to dc But thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. And once again, I don't feel like an idiot for saying this. Hail to the Redskins. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.